Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Hello again, everyone, and welcome again. Welcome myself back, too. Welcome again to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm sitting across the table from the world-traveling, eyeglass-wearing scholar Steve, better known as Grace Guard Dog Steve. Yes, and it's good to have you back, Bill. I had missed you for those podcasts I had to do without you. I'm so glad that you're back, man. Couldn't have missed you anymore. It's good to be back. Glad you finally unlocked the door and let me come back in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) After that four-week timeout. Yeah. No, my heart was in here. Just couldn't make it work. We had to do a different schedule to get the podcast done, which we, we tried to do and apologize to everyone about the last podcast. The quality, the, the content of the podcast was good if you could listen to it. It just, I don't know what happened. I don't think anybody could bear to listen to it. I'm going to have to see what malfunctioned when I was prepping that podcasts something mechanical happened and it just just a a mechanical screw up i don't know what it is i'm going to try and look at it and see if i can redo some of the tweaks that you put on these podcasts to to make them sound better hopefully i can get it fix it is what i'm trying to say hopefully i can fix that podcast that sounded so bad and we were, well, I'll be honest, we've, we've been kind of down in the dumps after uh, not being able to podcast, my situation, and, and uh, I do something terrible when I go through a hard time, something so, I start comparing myself with people, which Second uh, Corinthians, is it 10, 10? Tend to when we compare ourselves by ourselves. Ten, twelve, I think it is. We're, it says we're not wise. No, but you know who I always compare myself to is Abraham. That guy gets so much credit for doing good stuff, and when we read his account in Genesis, we're just like, I don't get it. He, he's the man of great faith and he he just doesn't seem to believe he did was doubt for 35 years he, and he was I think it's fair to say he was a scoundrel I say we just pile up pile on poor Abraham he's not here to defend himself but the thing is we're no better but like it says in Romans, are we any better than they? The answer is <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not. But one of them that is always got me, and we've been over it a few times, is 
It's in Genesis 15. I think it's about three or four where it says the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. I think that's that's one of those capital L, capital O, which means it's Yahweh. It's the I am, right? He says, Mm -hmm. and that's what he says. I am your shield. I am your great reward. And in context, Abraham had just rescued Lot from what was one of those five kings against four situation. And Lot was taken hostage. And Abraham uh, turns down a reward. And you know, he's probably feeling like, man, I rescued my nephew and an ungrateful rascal. I got nothing for it. And then he turned down the kings, you know, with his pious speech. Oh, I, I would never, I made a vow to God. It says Abraham says he made a vow to God. Ooh. And then we pick up on that. That he would not take money from anyone. So then you get into Genesis 15 and he says, I'm your reward. God says. Yeah, God says, I am your reward, and I'm your shield. I protected you in that battle. You'd have got your butt kicked if it wasn't for me. I protected you. I shielded you from harm, and I'm your reward. Then it it goes on to say, I'm your very great reward. Let me just, let's look it up. I want to get it right. I mean, it's a significant thing that God told Abraham when he said, I am your shield because all throughout the New Testament, we are told that it's God who needs to defeat the sin man. Remember in Romans 7 where it says, I don't do the evil I want, but it's sin that dwells in me in that sin overpowers me and my human strength and causes me to do what I don't will to do and not to do what I do will to do. And he's talking about God being his shield from the sin that lives in his human nature. I am your shield. It couldn't be more true, and it's spoken of right at the beginning of the Bible. I am your shield. I am your reward. Isn't that what it says? No man can lay a foundation other than a foundation of Christ. And Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 3 that, by the grace God gave me as a wise master builder, I tell you, to be careful how you build the house you can build with wood, hay, and stubble, or fine gold, silver, and jewelry. And it turns out that what Christ does through you is what makes it through the fire and becomes your reward. What he does for you stores up treasures in heaven. It stores up those rewards that you receive on the day of the great white throne judgment. I mean, right from the beginning of the Bible, it is telling us that 
Christ protects us and Christ is our hope of glory and our hope of receiving rewards from the very beginning of the book. That is the theme of the book as a whole. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and I'll abide in you and you'll bear much fruit. I am the source of how you bear much fruit. And on and on through the New Testament, it just keeps repeating exactly what is said here in Genesis so blatantly. I am your shield and I am your reward really has significant meaning. Yeah, and it goes back to, remember Genesis 12, 3, when he says, we were in 15, we should do 15, then do 12. Okay. So, can you get to Genesis 15? I'll go verse 2. Yeah, I was going to say, say a little bit about what it says in verse 1. Do not fear, Abraham, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham said, O Lord, what wilt thou give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And then three's a complaint, isn't it? Abraham said, since thou has given me no offspring born of my house. There is no heir. And then verse 4. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, cross the tent, and came closer to him, saying, this is not a sound that's in the air. This is a person that comes across the tent to Abraham and says, this man will not be your heir, but one who shall come from your own body shall be your heir. Then this word of the Lord person, name the word of the Lord, took him outside and said, now look towards the heaven and count the stars if you are able. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Let's just change that word to seed because that's yes. what the word actually is. It matters when we define it further. Your seed shall be as numerous as the stars you're seeing. That's a lot. Verse 6, Abraham's flying right now in verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. It looks like it says Abraham, or it looks like God credited Abraham working up this belief as righteousness. And it really doesn't say that. It says it's a credit. I'm counting it as righteousness. Now, how do I know that? Look at verse 8. Can you read verse 8? And he said, O Lord God, how may I know that 
I shall possess it, which means he wasn't believing at all. He, he would have said, like oh, faith. Lord, my God, thank you that I possess it. But he said, how will I know? Because at that point, he didn't know. He, he In other words, he didn't believe. That there you can substitute, how may I know with how may I believe that I shall possess it. And then what happens next is the most amazing thing in the Bible that testify to God's love for us, what he wants us to know about him. God makes a covenant with himself and he swears by himself. And this theme is played over and over again in the book of Genesis. You remember Genesis 12? Can you read Genesis 12, 1 through 3 maybe? Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives to the land which I shall show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing, and I will Bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. So he'd already told him that, right? Yes. In Genesis 15. Now Abraham has the nerve to say how... How will I know this will happen? And so God strikes him dead for doubting, right? No. God actually makes a covenant with himself, and he does something unheard of. Bring bring that out for us. Tell, Tell us what you're talking about. Everything God swore with an oath to do for Abraham, he swore it by himself. Do you see where in Genesis 15, remember where it said, and it was counted to Abram as righteous? Yes. It wasn't counted to, Abraham's wasn't counted righteous for believing God. He was counted righteous because what, God did. Am I saying that right? I don't know until you explain further. Yes. Abraham was credited with being righteous, right? It said he believed God and it was credited as righteousness. Yes. Righteousness is that term that means it's a covenant term. When two people make a covenant, They both have to keep the covenant, right? And if you keep the covenant, what is the word used for keeping it? Then you are righteous. And it is true what you're saying, Bill. This word righteousness is associated with and pretty much only with the idea of 
keeping your end of the covenant. It's not about, you know, uh, feeding the poor or something like that or, or not feeding the poor and treating them bad. It is specifically about keeping the covenant. That's what makes you righteous. And righteous in covenant is different than a contract, as we had an attorney tell us once. Remember he, remember he told us a, a contract is between two people that don't trust each other. A covenant is two willing participants that want to enter into covenant till death do them part. Marriage is the most understood covenant there is. It, it's it's not two unwilling people that don't trust each other. They don't usually get married. It's two people that want to be spend forever with this person, and they make a covenant. And they say, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. They're I'll partners honor you. in life. They're partners, partners in, in life. life. Until death do them part. Yes. God wanted Abraham to know that he was wanted Abraham to be with him forever, right? So he makes a covenant with Abraham. In Genesis 15, Abraham says, how will I know this will happen? The rest of the chapter is what God making a covenant with himself. Does he make a covenant with Abram? No, because Abram, it says Abram had fallen asleep after he cut up the animals because God said cut up a goat and a, a cow and a, a pigeon and a bunch of things he had to cut in half for this covenant. But cut. after he cut them in half, it, it says he went to sleep and God walked through those animals that were cut to make the covenant. It, it really is without Abraham at all. If you look at it, it becomes obvious to you that Abraham wasn't participating in the covenant. It was between the father and the son, God and his seed. We'll, fair, we'll fair get to, to it say, later, but... Fair to say. Okay, so Abraham is not part of this covenant. For it to say that Abraham believed God and God credited Abraham's faith as righteousness is disingenuous. Abraham was credited with righteousness because why? Because God made a covenant with himself and God keeps the covenant with himself and Abraham being a beneficiary of the covenant is counted with the same righteousness that God counts that God actually is. God is going to keep this oath. That's why Hebrews 6 says, God wanting the unchangeableness of his purpose could not make a covenant with any person. So he made a covenant with himself. That's right there in Hebrews 6. It's well worth reading. And a covenant comes with an oath and vows. So God swore by himself. Why did he why did he swear by himself instead of a man? 
because we're not capable of keeping a, a genuine covenant with God. When we get to Exodus, we're going to find out why we can't keep a covenant. In Genesis 12, can you read 1 through 3? Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. So God has already told Abraham three chapters earlier I'm going to do this. Did you read the part about and your and in your seed, all the nations will be blessed? Yes, yes. Let's see. And in you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. And so we get to 15, and Abraham doesn't have a seed yet, does he? And he's starting to doubt. But it says he believed. So why is he credited for believing? Because he's credited with God's faithfulness, not Abraham's faithfulness, right? Because God made the covenant with himself. So whose faithfulness is being spoken of? God's faithfulness. And Abraham is credited with it. Keeping this covenant and being righteous for keeping the covenant, as we said, Righteousness is only about keeping the covenant. Yes. So God told Abraham he was going to do this. Then he wanted Abraham to know he was going to do it. So he made a covenant with himself in Genesis 15. And Hebrews 6 says he swore by himself. He swore an oath that I'll keep this covenant. And I'm going to bless you, and your seed will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Did he say that in Genesis 15? Yes, sir, he did. He did. And And what did faithful Abram say? How do I know that's going to happen? And he doubted. Right. God was making a covenant with himself. It doesn't actually say, so God made a covenant with himself. But once you realize that Abraham was sleeping while God was making the covenant and not participating in the making of the covenant, God was doing it by himself. And we've talked about it on other podcasts. When God made a covenant with the nation of Israel to keep the law, what did they say? We will keep, we will be careful to obey every part of the covenant. Mm -hmm. And God said, if you do your part of the covenant, I will bless you. If you don't do your part of the covenant, cursings. Yes. And then he ended up telling them, you won't do Keep your part the of the covenant. You can't. Even though they said they they would. Yes. Even though it says Abraham believed God, he really didn't believe God. Did that change the faithfulness of God to his promise and his covenant? Not at all. Not at all. And so in 12, he promises, he makes the covenant known to Abram. Let's go to Genesis 26, 3. 
Well, we can read one through three. Okay. Now, there was a famine in the land beside the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your seed I will give these lands and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. See, there, right there, right there, he's telling him, I made the covenant. I did the swearing that I would do it. I didn't say you will do it. You're just in the covenant sleeping. You're just a benefit fisherary of the covenant that I swore that I would do. It's really true when you, when you say God made a covenant with himself right there in front of Abraham. Because if it's an Abraham, Abraham was told not to go to Egypt. Yep. But he did. He broke the covenant. He broke the covenant. He was told that uh, Sarah was his wife, and she's to have no other husband. What did Abe do? He lied. and He he, he gave his wife to, to another man, much more than a lie. To do whatever he wanted to her. He pimped her out. He pimped her out to, to be sodomized. So God said, you know what, Abram, we're done. We're done. Not you, at you, all. Not at all. Did, did Sarah get violated by the king? No, God stepped in and fixed the problem. Why? As always. Why? Because he's the shield. He's the shield. And he kept his covenant. He said, this is going to happen. And you're not going to get pregnant by one of those other kings and blow this covenant. By all rights, if it was a, if it was Abraham's belief that God is doing all this. And you'd think he would be punished for blowing it, especially as bad as he did by giving his wife to this ungodly people. I mean, that's just perverted. That's sick to give your wife away for sex with another man. That's not showing your wife love, but he did that, and instead of being punished, God just fixed everything. Not only that, what does he do with Isaac? He renews the covenant vow. He swears to Isaac, I'm going, I told your father I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. He went to Egypt. I'm telling you not to go to Egypt. I'm telling you not to lie about your wife. So Isaac probably learned his lesson, and he's not going to lie about his wife. But he does. So now the covenant's got to be over with, right? Not at all. Let's go to Genesis 28 
maybe about first 13, 14. Okay, and tell us what it was that you wanted to bring out in Genesis 26. God told Abraham, I'm going to do this. Then he repeats the same promise to Isaac. He uses a little different word. He says, with Isaac, he says, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. He says, all the nations will be blessed to to Abraham. Okay, where do you want me to read in Genesis 28? Let's see, start around 12, 13, or 14. Okay, your descendants, and I believe that should be seed, your seed shall also be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. In you and in your siege shall all families of earth be blessed. So all nations, all families, all peoples will be blessed in his seed. Yes. So he repeats the same promise that he did to Abraham to Isaac then he repeats it to Isaac's son Israel how does that encourage us well if we look at the behavior of Abraham and Jacob Jacob was a rascal himself dirty dog he he was yeah I, I mean I'm not saying it stole Esau's birthright he did a terrible thing to Esau They all did terrible things to their wives. You can see that the righteousness is a gift. Their righteousness wasn't too righteous. Their righteousness was no righteousness at all. At all. They did not keep their end of the deal, but God never based his blessing on them doing their part. Their righteousness... And remember, that's that's their best. That's the stuff that they're proud of. Their righteousness was as a filthy rag to God. Yes. Their best efforts. Not the worst that you read, because that was just despicable. And I'm not saying this to put down and make me myself feel better than Abraham and compare myself with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because I'm saying again, this. Are we any better? No. No. What does Hebrew say about this oath that he swore by himself? Should I go there? Yeah. Hebrews what? Six. Okay. What verse do you want me to look at? God wanting the unchangeableness of his purpose swore with an oath. Okay. Verse 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, well, I thought he made a covenant with Abraham. Now it's called just a promise, just what God was going to do. 
that is his when you make a covenant you you promise to do your part and they promise to do their part really yeah, and this just talks about a promise to Abraham and it should have said when God made the promise to Abraham and Abraham promised God but it left that part out it just says when God made well, the a promise to Abraham where's Abraham's part that, that's what I'm saying. It, it should have said God, Abraham made his promise to God, but it doesn't. He, he didn't make a promise to God. He did not. He just and even if he blessings. did, it wouldn't matter if he did or didn't. Yeah, the covenant turns into a, just a promise from God. Yes. Is, is what it is because it's saying God swears that he's going to do this. Let, let me, and he repeats that promise three times, which we've just read. Once to Abraham, twice to Abraham, then to Isaac, then to Jacob. Yep. Okay, so, for when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. That's what he said. He said, your seed shall be as numerous as the stars and as numerous as the sands, and I will be a blessing. And through your seed will be a blessing to all, didn't it say all families and all nations and all peoples? Can we be encouraged by this? I I really think we can because it, he says that the it, next. it's just like your dad promising you a gift. That That's always encouraging. Is there any doubt this is going to happen? No, because he, he swore with an oath. He couldn't swear by anybody greater, so he swore by himself with an oath that I'm going to make you the blessing to many nations. And it, it, it said the, the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose, he interposed with an oath in order that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement we who have fled for refuge in laying hold of the hope that was set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls, a hope both sure and steadfast, one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner having become the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. But it talks about unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. He swore with an oath that he was going to make Abraham the father of many nations. And it didn't matter whether Abraham acted like a yahoo or not. He was credited with righteousness that he didn't produce. And the oath was fulfilled. The, the, the promise 
was fulfilled through Christ because in Christ, spirit began to give birth to spirit until spirit has given so much birth that spiritual entities that live within us are as numerous as the sand on the seashore and the stars of the sky or the stars of the sky yeah okay so let's let let's see how paul explains it in galatians 3 verse 6 okay in verse 6 even so abraham believed god and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now go down to 14 and we'll see why. Oh, wow. That's a great tie-in, Bill. That's, that's a mate. Okay. Let, let, let me, okay. I'm reading verse 6 again because catch this tie-in. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness in order that in Jesus Christ, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Whose faithfulness? Jesus' faithfulness. He credited Abraham as being righteousness so that we would receive the seed the holy spirit he said i will give you a seed and it will multiply as far as the east as much as the sand of the sea that seed is jesus christ and he multiplies every time somebody is born again and spirit gives birth to spirit and spirit has given birth to spirit so many times that it can be compared to the star, as many as the stars in heaven. That's how many times spirit has given given birth to spirit. That's how many times the promised Holy Spirit has been given to people through the gospel. He said, Abraham was credited with righteousness in order that we all may receive the Holy Spirit. What an amazing thought. So, Steve, according to verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, Mm -hmm. the supreme blessing of God, is the gift of righteousness. When you have righteousness, when you're credited for being righteous, you get the promise. The promise comes from you being righteous. No one was righteous under the law. No Gentile was ever righteous by trying to keep. No Christian was ever righteous by trying to keep elementary principles and trying to live right and legalism and all that. The the supreme blessing of God is the gift of righteousness, but it doesn't end there. Because you're righteous, you're qualified to get the Holy Spirit who is righteous and can live righteous through you every day of your life. Every day of your life, you can do righteous things that you could never do in yourself. 
And that's why in verse 8 it says the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify everybody by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying all the nations will be blessed in you. It says the scriptures foretold that God would make Abraham and everybody righteous in order that they may receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. It says the scriptures foreseeing that, wait a minute, the scriptures were never written when Abraham was receiving the promise. Why would it say the scriptures foretold? Because the scriptures are a person. The scriptures are the word of the Lord that came to Abram and made the promise. None other than Jesus foreseeing that everybody would be justified and receive the promised Holy Spirit. The scriptures are the one that swore by himself that he would make this covenant and be considered righteous and credit us who've never done anything righteous with being perfectly in tune with a covenant that he did. Carrying it out completely. Perfectly. Eligible. The supreme blessing of God is the gift of righteousness. Because the it gift allows of you to righteousness. receive the Holy Spirit. Right. That's what qualifies you to receive the Holy Spirit, who is righteous and allows you, if you depend on him, to be righteous in your own deeds. See, it's always saying the same thing. It comes to the conclusion that we need Christ. We need him in our lives. We need him to manifest every day. That's what the new covenant is about. That's why he said, I'll make a new covenant with you and I will put my spirit in you to cause you to walk a righteous Christian life. That is the new covenant, the defining criteria for the new covenant is that I will put my spirit in you to cause you to walk a righteous Christian life and please your spouse and the people around you, something you can't do in your own human strength and capabilities because they fall short, as we all know. Let's all depend on the Holy Spirit and not our ability to grit our teeth and be holy like God and say holy things that only God can say to people because it's only God that can speak to people and touch their heart and their soul and bless them. It is not our human intellect. Never was, never will be, never will be. You know, we're running out of time, but there is some amazing i was hoping to get to we'll have to do another we'll have to do a part two because there's more in isaiah 45 isaiah 25 let's do it in jeremiah let's do it yeah this scene can be followed throughout the whole old testament oh i remember the one time 
30 years ago when you did the, the two C's. Yeah, there are that two C's. That was an amazing revelation. That, that was so brand new. It just opened my eyes to how important and intricate is the weaving of the idea of the two C's, the human seed and the divine seed of Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. That that, that day, I was high for a month <laughs> off, off the revelation that you shared about the two seeds that one time. Well, the cool thing is, just for now, let's just soak this in. Yes. The promise he made, I don't even know how many thousand years ago to Abraham of being blessed. Mm -hmm. 2,000 years before he died and 2,000 years now, so about 4,000 years ago, he promised Abraham. And now he says it in Galatians, the supreme, the ultimate blessing of God is to be credited with his righteousness. And then the ultimate gift of God is his Holy Spirit. And they're both a promise. And they're both backed up by none other than the life that Jesus lived perfectly. And they're both very believable because God swore them by an oath after telling Abraham, this is going to happen. I'm going to make an oath. I'm going to make a covenant with myself and I'm going to be righteous to myself. I'm going to keep the covenant. Then he tells Isaac. Then he tells Jacob. And then he, all throughout he tells us over and over again about this seed, this promised seed. And in the oath. You, you'll see the, the oath come up all through oath. the Old Testament. Yes. I swore to your fathers. I swore to your fathers. It's so cool. Yeah. And as Hebrew says, we can be greatly encouraged. Encourage us, Bill. Close us in prayer and give us that encouragement. That by two unchangeable things, which it is impossible for God to lie, he swore by himself. I was supposed to say that first. He swore by himself by so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we can be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast. The storms of life, the things that make you doubt God is even real will surely come. But you have an anchor to, to hold you steadfast with throughout all those trials when things look terrible. You have this hope. You have this anchor for your soul, which is your mind and your will and your emotions. And no matter what's going on, you have this anchor that holds you there steadfast because you God swore it. He promised. He swore it by himself. And this anchor enters beyond the veil, goes beyond our understanding, the things that were veiled. We don't understand it. We we see promises in the Old Testament and we say, that can't happen. I, no, that can't happen. But it's a promise. It's an unbelievable promise. But it's only believed. If you see that he swore it by an oath and it's, what does he say? It's impossible for God to lie. That should be enough in itself. But no, he adds to it. He says, I swore by myself. I swore with an oath. 
and it enters beyond the veil. And what's beyond the veil? The very presence of God, the Holy Spirit. And he's with us, and he'll never leave us, and he'll never, no, never forsake us. Let us be encouraged by that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, sir. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Steve. I am encouraged. Thank you guys for listening. I hope it encourages all of you. Good night. We love you. Love you guys. Good night.